I feel like I'm a failure. I'm like, I see people that I started out with and they are much further along than I am. Um, I'm wasting my time. I'm like, I know I can sing. I know I can play. Like, I know I can write songs, but clearly that's not enough. Like, you've got to have the it factor. You've got to have this, this and that. And I'm like, I'm not it. Maybe it's not just music. Maybe I just shouldn't be trying creativity at all. Like anything creative. Maybe I should just give that up. Maybe that's a childhood thing. I just need to leave it behind. Stop trying. Hey there, I'm Katina, one of the co-founders of Daydreamers, and you're listening to the Unproductive Podcast, a weekly chat where we pick the brains of creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers, and tinkerers, all of whom have approached life differently. Together, we're redefining how we spend our free time in a world that's hyper-focused on efficiency at the expense of, well, everything else. We'll dig into the habits, mindsets, and experiences of some of the most creative minds in our world today so we can all spend a little less time scrolling and a little more time dreaming. Let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Katina. And Doopy. And it's our first ever podcast episode yeah so excited we're so excited this has been long in the works and we've had such an incredible journey connecting and speaking with so many talented people and we're so excited to share with you yeah i think that this conversation in particular but also this season of the unproductive podcast is so timely and relevant for what we're all experiencing right now doobie and i are recording this in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic as we're all sitting at home um and free time is ample so i think a lot of us are really feeling the effects of what it means to be quote-unquote unproductive and like what it takes to tune into your creativity. Yeah, exactly. This episode, we're chatting with Morgan Harper Nichols. She's an incredible poet, painter, artist, musician, all around amazing human being who is a number one best-selling author and has built this amazing engaged community of millions of people on social media through her beautiful and inspiring words. I think one of the coolest parts of this episode and Morgan's journey in particular is that she's so open and vulnerable about her highs and her lows. And what I think is really cool and what she gets to a lot in our chat is that even though she's accomplished all these amazing things, you know, she's had a great music career, she has sold books, is a world-renowned poet she's had a lot of struggles and her struggles have actually led her to what she's doing today and who she is um which i think is really amazing that she's able to tap into that and help all these people share their own stories so during our chat with morgan today we'll share about Morgan's journey and truly this new creative medium that she came up with during one of her darkest moments, one where she takes strangers' stories and struggles and turns them into beautiful pieces of art and poetry. Morgan has done an incredible job of uplifting others and always showcasing that in the darkest moments, you can always turn those around to be the brightest for your future. 
And I hope that you guys are as inspired as we were after we chatted with her. And take some of those pieces of advice into our lives today where it might feel like we're in a dark tunnel. (laughs) Exactly. And lastly, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. This helps more people find this podcast and get inspired to live creative lives and also get really cool, interesting guests to share their stories with y'all. We can't wait to start creating with you. Let's dive in. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, And I personally, I know Dupi has as well, have been following your work for so long. And yeah, your writing has really gotten me through some tough moments. So thank Mm. you for that. Well, 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 thank you for sharing that with me. And that means a lot to hear. I just, you know, I, I love being able to share you know on the internet through mm-hmm. books but you know the other side is like I don't always get to see or you know hear the stories of you know totally. what kind of happens on the other side so yeah, yeah that means a lot to hear thank you so of much of course and we're so excited to dive into that too and kind of hear more about the forms of creating on the internet um, which is really <laughs> interesting especially in our modern world but before we go into that Doopy and I always love to start with having our guests bring us back to their childhood, which is what we've found a place where creativity really thrives. So tell us a little bit about what your life was like as a kid. Like, what were you interested in? What did you do in your free time? Paint that picture for us. Yeah, for sure. So um, I was born in Los Angeles, California, and I was raised in um, Atlanta, Georgia, in a very, very creative home. Uh, my parents are both creatives in different capacities, both writers and my mom. My mom is like, I'll just, it's probably best to just give examples of yeah. like what my childhood was like because yeah. it was very interesting. <laughs> um, totally. And I mean, I remember like my mom would just, I mean, she was just like, all, and still is this way, just like full cylinders, always creating. And I remember one time when I was like nine years old, waking up in the middle of the night and my mom was like coming in my room and I was like, what's wrong? I thought something was wrong. And I had like this bench at the end of my bed and my mom was like, she was like panicking. I'm like, why is she panicking? (laughs) And this bench, this bench hat, she just painted it um, purple Mm. and she was flipping it over because she just found out that like, she would like collect antiques and if a bench had like this particular seal on it, mm-hmm. it was worth a lot of money. Oh my gosh. And, like, but you couldn't like paint over it. Like it had to be like in the condition. That, that is it was. so funny. And she was like, no. <laughs> was, like, She's like, give it back. Little, yeah, it was like some little nickel impression. She's like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I painted over this. I shouldn't have painted over this bench. I should have painted over it. And I was like, but I love my purple bench. It was just like, like my mom would ask us like, okay, what color do you guys want to paint your room? And I was like, bright orange. So my room was like bright orange for a few years. And then it was teal the next few years. My sister's room was pink, then purple. Um, We were like, we didn't have a lot of money. And and my, um, like, we really wanted a Barbie house. And those things are not cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They may be cheaper now, but back in the day, they weren't cheap, or at least that's what my parents told me. 
and <laughs> we wanted the house. So my dad for Christmas, and I, I wish we still had it. I'm sure we have mm, pictures somewhere. Yeah. He actually went and bought a shelf and turned the shelf into a Barbie house. Oh my so God, he put car- he laid carpet and tile. So and cool. it was just like, it was cooler than like the traditional yeah. Barbie houses. So, so yeah, it was a very, very creative childhood. Um, and I'm so grateful for it. And I would say that also one thing that was a bit of a challenge is that, so my parents were um, pastors and mm. I was homeschooled and so they were pastors of like a small church and I was a homeschool kid. And I just always felt so weird. And I just always felt weird in comparison to my peers and my sister did as well. Like we didn't have a ton of friends. So it was just this weird mix growing up of like, there's all this creativity at home. There's all this room for growth and for just like, you know, you're free to express yourself and try things and learn and grow. And we do it together as a family. And at the same time, like the outside world was like, no, there's no room for that here. You know, there's no room to share. Like other kids are going to think you're weird or you're too much or you're not enough of this. So I dealt a a lot with that. And I don't think that that's unique to me. I think a lot of people experience that. And I feel like for me, it was just reinforced by the fact that like, I didn't, I wasn't around a ton of kids my age. So it was like the few kids that I were around were like really critical because they like, they like had their school friends, you know, I was just kind of like the, you know, backup church friend, you know, (laughs) every week or whatever. So it was just, I always just felt like really other and just very different. And when I was young, I don't think it bothered me a ton. I just really kind of kept to myself and because I love to create like till this day, I've been keeping a like a a journal or a diary since I was like eight years old and I've been painting and drawing like a lot of what I do now as an artist it's the same stuff that I've loved since I was a kid like not a lot has changed um however as I started to move into my teen years you know as a teenager it just you just you want to belong you want connection you know you want to be seen and heard by your peers and I just wasn't getting that so yeah I just went through like a really really tough time and um, it was through that, though, then the thing that's just so wild about that, that it was through that tough time that I actually ended up finding music. Mm. And I think originally I kind of stuck with music because I was just like, one, I felt like I was like, I felt like it was something I could do. And then like I could learn. I, I was teaching myself how to play guitar and I was like, I can learn this. This is something I can work on. And it's mine and I can own it. And then, two, it was just like everybody loves music. Maybe I'll find friends this yeah. way. Community, yeah. so like that's kind of like a, a synopsis of my childhood. Um, you know, similar to probably lots of other people out there, just the highs and lows, and and I'm just grateful that somehow I've just been able to like look back and and see the good and just really, really continue to nurture that as an adult. Like, and I I'm just like a firm believer. I'm like, if you happen to have just any kind of flicker of wonder in your childhood, like whether you just love animals or whatever, I, I just believe that it's just really cool if we can keep that in our adult life in some way. So, so yeah. Yeah. We couldn't agree with that more. And it's so interesting to kind of hear that juxtaposition of, you know, kind of having this full 
amazing creative life at home and then kind of going out into the real world and seeing maybe that's not always as accepted and normal. So I guess I think a lot of people listening will relate to that concept and obviously it comes through in your work today, but could you take us through some of those early first conscious moments when you started to recognize that not maybe everyone um, kind of thought the same way or you kind of perceive certain things to be weird or different? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I would kind of hear it, you know, from different kids would say things. But for me, I was very fortunate to have my parents who would just kind of like, you know, reinforce like, hey, don't listen to them, like keep doing your thing. So when I got to college, though, you know, my parents aren't there anymore. So, um, you know, I'm not getting that at home. I don't I don't have those people that I'm home now, you know, I can go home now as easily and just like, hey, here's what I'm going through. So uh, I would say my freshman year of college was the first time that I felt like I really, really started mm. to, that was like the first real setback. It was a pretty distinct moment I had when um, I, I went into college as a music major. I ended up changing to English. But when I first started, um, I was in like the choir class that everyone takes. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting next to this guy that I actually knew of him from back home because he was a part of a band that I really like admired and I just like really respected these guys a lot and I didn't really know them very well like we had like some overlapping circles but I didn't I didn't know them and he didn't really know me so I um we were just singing I don't remember we were doing warm-ups or what but I was just kind of like just singing and then we start we stopped singing the exercise doing the exercise or whatever it was and he turned to me and goes why do you sing like that like you sound like you're trying to sound like a guy like Song. Like sounds Ew. sounds bad. And I don't know if it was just like a weird sense of humor or yeah. what. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> really it really got to me. Like it was like a visceral reaction. Like I felt like me actually feeling like in that moment I became so conscious of like so, like self-conscious of my voice. I was like, oh, you know, I I should tone this down a little bit. Mm. And it took years to undo that. Yeah. Like yeah. years. It took a it literally took a producer that I had like doing music, I would say seven years later, um, who like looked at, yeah, no, eight years. Yeah. A, a while later. Yeah. <laughs> seven or eight years later. And he looked at me and goes, he's like, Hey, I think there's more inside of you and you're just not letting it out. Wow. Like you should let it out. Yeah. And he literally would press record and he would just go outside and he's like, I'm not even gonna listen. Just sing. He's like, sing it out and we'll just edit it later and it took all that time (laughs) and so it was just like yeah that was a pretty definitive moment I think because it was the first time that it was someone that I really respected that was just like very directly like Mm -hmm. I don't like what you're doing yeah so yeah it it had an impact on me and that's why I just gosh like I think about that moment a lot and I'm just like man I know that not there you have people out there who maybe they like to sing and maybe they're not super talented or whatever according to some standard but i'm just like i i just don't think anybody that deserves to feel that way (laughs) that i felt in that moment i'm like gosh i just and that that's even just in my work now when i'm like encouraging young artists and stuff i'm like you know even if they don't end up doing it having a career in this or whatever i'm like I don't want people to feel like they have to like silence themselves or right. make themselves small. Um, so yeah, I've, I try to turn it into a positive cause yeah. yeah, it was a pretty serious moment. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't agree more. I feel oftentimes it's one pivotal moment where 
people sort of change and, you know, to be accepted in society, kind of give away their craft or their creativity. At that moment, mm-hmm. did you decide, you know, you, you had switched from your music major to an English major? Like, what was the reasoning behind that? What was, you know, did you immediately drop all your creative outlets or, you know, walk us through that journey in those early stages? Yeah, so I think it was it was a mixture of, you know, I already going into the program, you know, I wasn't like the most confident. I was curious. I was like, okay, I know how to sing and play instruments, you know, so kind of seemed like a natural thing I could do. Um, and yeah, I, I think from, cause that happened, like, that was like the first week of classes. So yeah. it's like, you know, mm-hmm. that freshman year, first week of classes is like, yeah, talk about like some emotions <laughs> and everyone's trying to figure out where they fit, right. where they fit you know, it's, it's a lot going on yeah. for everybody. So, you know, it happened really early. So I think that really did kind of set the tone for me of like, oh, like I've got to like play by a certain set of rules. And if I don't fit those rules, then I can't even be successful at this. Cause this particular guy, like he was, it was like a decent sized band. Like they weren't like, I mean, granted, you know, we're freshmen in college. Like, it wasn't like, but they were doing like the festivals, like all the things that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what musicians from our town, like, from wherever from, that's what we aspire toward. Like, we want to get to that. So I was just like, man, somebody who's already doing it, who's already out there, I was like, if they don't like it, then, you know, well, well, maybe. And I think what ended up happening was, like, as the semester went on, and as the time, and I ended up staying as a music major for the whole first year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, no, actually, I think I did switch the second semester. But, yeah, as I went on, I just felt like I started to see I started to point out and really just turn the lens on like how different I was from the other kids in the program, you know, and and comparing myself a lot, like, Oh wow. Like she's a lot more charismatic than me. Like they have a lot more energy on stage than I do, or, you know, Oh wow. They get, they get selected to, you know, do the open mic thing way more than I do. So I think I just started to like kind of create that story in my head of like, yep. You know, that same thing from childhood, you're still the weird kid. You still don't belong. Just as many of us have experienced, sometimes when one door closes, another one opens much easier than we expected. While Morgan had been trying so hard to fit in, trying so hard to make music work, she wasn't looking at the easy stuff, the stuff that came naturally to her, the stuff that she did every day without even thinking about it. And for her, that was writing. And honestly, though, like, I'm so glad that I ended up switching to English. <laughs> and the reason why that happened was, was because I looked at my transcript at the end of the semester. And to my surprise, the classes that I had scored, like, a perfect score grade in, and that I was, like, it, they were actually the English classes where the metrics of the class were, like, where it was graded by writing papers. Yeah. And I was, like, I don't even remember writing those papers. Like, it was so easy. (laughs) So it was literally like, oh, I'll just major in that because it's easy for me. (laughs) And um, I started thinking, I was like, wow, like people do kind of ask me to like read their papers and stuff and all that. I was like, I have no idea what to do with with writing. I don't know what that would look like, but a lot of things out there require writing. So let me just (laughs) do that. So yeah, I switched to English and then I ended up transferring schools, going back to music and then I transferred again. And it turned into this whole thing. But I ended up back in English 
And it was kind of like a moment that I had when, because I kept switching schools, I ended up going to community college just to get caught up on like the basic courses you have to take. And I ended up taking a American lit class, I think. And I had to write a poem for, for the class. This is after mm-hmm. I've been from music to English to music yeah. <laughs> to, this is in my undecided mode. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and I was writing, um, I, I just like kind of mindlessly just like wrote a poem um, for the class. And the professor, like when I turned it in, like he was like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And then he read the poem. He was like, uh, this is really good. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're a poet. Like you can write. Wow. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. And um, this professor, and, and he had kind of talked about like his, like he was a poet as well, and he had been published and things. So I was like, okay, well, this is somebody who's done things. I was like, maybe, maybe that has some validity or whatever. And yeah, like that was kind of, and he was like the first person that kind of told me like about like creative writing fields. And he's like, yeah, poets can do this and you can do that. And like, you can get an MFA and da, da, da. And he was just telling me about all these possibilities. And I was like, okay. I was like, that sounds, I was like, that sounds like fun. Like maybe that's something I'll try to do. So yeah, I kind of ended up kind of, I feel like that was the moment where I was like, okay, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be for now. I still don't know what it's going to look like, but I started to write more and I started to kind of chip away at it more. But even from that point, it still took like 10 years for me to be able to say like, Hey, I'm a poet. It still feels weird saying it now. Totally. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's definitely been a journey. But you know, I I can I can look back and see. I'm like, oh, like writing and 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 creating art and and like it's it's been there all along. It's been there all along too. Yeah, it's so great to hear your journey. You were able to take a moment that most would perceive to be negative, and you know take that into sort of a shining light and it's was able to unlock a whole different realm of possibilities for you so at that time did you also you know stop singing for yourself or were you just full force into this is my new passion um going forward or what did that look like yeah I I was actually still doing music at the time because I I did have like different opportunities here and there to like be a part of, you know, mm-hmm. music projects and things. And I and I really enjoyed recording music. However, the performance part of it and the competition part of it, I just really struggled with that. And, you know, kind of like I had seen early on in college, I was like, man, so much of this stuff is based on like auditions and I was like, it's not, I'm like, talent is obviously a part of it, but at the end of the day, it's just a supply and demand thing. It's like, there's just only so many people who have the chance to share their music. And I just felt really overwhelmed. So I actually was just really in a, in a weird place. I'm still kind of in that weird place of like, (laughs) how do you share music? This, like, this bodily thing that like, I feel like is stirring in me. I, it just came to me naturally. I know how to sing. I know how to write. I taught myself instruments. Like, it's like, how do I take this thing that's such like physically a part of me and, and share it with others, but at the same time, like not really worry about having to like climb the traditional yeah. music ranks. Like it was really strange. And, and I've kind of forgotten about this story up until right now, 
But when I was at that community college um, and I was in the American Lit class, I was also in like a biology class. And um, so I was, you know, I would just write, write songs for fun and I would record them on like, it was like, like on like the old like PCs, like there was just like this like recorder mm-hmm. option. Mm-hmm. It was such bad quality. I mean, it was like terrible. Uh, like worse than like AM radio. It yeah. was it was bad. But that's how I would record my songs because how else was I going to remember totally. them? And then I would burn them to a CD. Oh my and gosh, um, one day I started talking to like like a student in the class, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, like you make music? Like what is um." tell me more about it. And I was just telling her about my song. She was like, I want to hear. And I was like, okay, well, I'll burn you a CD. So I burned, I burned her a CD and she came back to class the next day and she had like tears in her eyes as oh she started to talk to wow. me. She was like, that third song, she was like, that's like the story of my life. Like, thank you for singing that. Like that, that song, like it had me bawling. And it was so that's interesting because I was like, you know what? Like, I was like, I want to make music for, for these kind of moments. I was like, it's so weird. I'm like, why can't I just like burn my little sad songs on CDs and just people? Like, why do I have to like tour and perform and yeah. do all these things? And um, yeah, I mean, to this day, like, I mean, I still like see the benefits of those things because I do love meeting people. And it's like music is a great way to connect people. However, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of work that goes into it that can just be hard for somebody who's like me maybe more introverted just maybe you don't naturally gravitate towards stages or spotlights it's a really weird world so I'm still figuring that out but at the same time I'm like you know what if I just write songs for myself and for my friends and for my family and now for like my son I'm like that's valid you know and it's like if it ends up on an album somewhere then great but that's just overflow like I can just focus on creating for the sake of creating and for the people that I'm presently around um, and whatever that way that comes out. So sometimes it's music, sometimes it's art, poetry. So, so yeah, that's sort of like a little pep talk that's still very relevant to where I am at this present moment. So yeah. totally. I love that. Oh my gosh. Dupi and I are sitting here like nodding our heads yeah. and smiling. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> because I mean, for us, the whole idea of creativity and coming from that deep place within you is so important and so kind Mm -hmm. of disconnected in our world today where we always feel like we have to be on a show and kind of be someone um, and keep pushing ourselves and growing in that way. So I know we'll get into this even further as we dive into your story, but could you speak a little bit more about how you actually connect to that place, especially when there's so much noise and so many things around us telling us how to be a certain way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. There's um, one of my favorite writers, and I'm paraphrasing it. I'm, I can't say exactly how she says it, but Joan Didion, she talks, she talks about like, she wrote, I write to know what I feel. For me, I just try to stay with the process like of just doing things because I can get in my head so quickly and just talk myself like out of everything. I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe I shouldn't create this. Maybe I just shouldn't create it all. Maybe yeah. I should just give up. Like, I'm just, totally. I can get there really quickly. <laughs> so um, I... What I found though, and lately actually, it's, it's, I feel like I'm going deeper into this. I've actually, so I make artwork and I share my artwork and a lot of it's actually created digitally. So 
I just, a random series of events led me to creating artwork on my iPad, which I love. However, because I've been doing it so long, I'm starting to like get in my head, even with that, even though I love it. So what I actually started to do is like, I went to the craft store and bought like one of those like beginner art sets. Yeah. Like a little bit of oil paint, a little yeah. bit of acrylic, a little bit of watercolor, pastels, color pencils. And I just started playing and I started messing around and I love it. And this is just two weeks every single day. Like I've just made a habit of like, I just try to keep out like a few pastels or like a few color pencils. And just, even if I just sit there and just doodle for like five minutes, it is amazing how much that gets me out of my head and, and just like into that creative flow and I think for me, it's because like, it honestly connects me to my childhood. Like we had color pencils, crayons, like everywhere all the time. And that was just even being homeschooled. Like my mom would encourage us, like, even if it were like a history lesson, like we would draw pictures about the parts that we remember the most. So it was, creativity was always very integrated for me into daily life. So I think, you know, as I've grown up and then, you know, I'm, I'm 29, so I've kind of like grown up with this whole, you know, social media technology thing. It's just so easy to forget how simple it is sometimes. So, so lately, yeah, I would say that's probably like the clearest thing I can point to that I'm like, in my daily life right now, I'm like, I feel really good about doing this. Like, I love the color. It's so simple, but it really does unlock something for me. I couldn't agree more. It's so funny because I feel like sometimes um, when being creative is turned into your career, many people expect that it always brings that same fulfillment, but sometimes it is a job, right? So you kind of get stuck in these certain ways of doing things just like you would in any regular job so kind of mm -hmm. getting yourself back to your basics I love the way that you describe that and just simply like going to the store and getting paints um I recently did something similar and I feel the same exact way as you it's oh, so grounding yes. yeah yes it's so special yeah we've been saying you know something with the advent of technology um there's like a, a fear of like being creative and like letting that muscle loose because we want to curate content, whatever, whatever that may look like rather than create exactly for what you were talking about, just getting in the flow and letting, you know, just having that opportunity to experiment and relax as we once did as kids. And, you know, it's amazing just to see mm -hmm. like what a few watercolors and, you know, Krill, crayons can do for you and it just brings you back to when you had the the 64 crayola mm -hmm. crayons or the 120 yes. and it's like a, <laughs> it's a whole new world that opens up for you that you you don't tap into as an adult totally yeah that's so true because it's like we got to do grown-up things you yeah. know and it's like it's true it's like yeah we got to pay bills we got to like take care of ourselves and take care of other people and and it gets really, really overwhelming. And I just, you know, I've just been noticing, I'm like, yes, all of that is true. I'm like, you know, after this phone call, I've got to go mm -hmm. do some client work. Like, mm -hmm. I have, I have work to do. And I was like, but there's also all these other moments in the day 
where it's like literally five minutes, like just do the thing to unlock something. And, you know, for some people that's, that's like working out for yeah. me, not so much. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I'm like, you know, I kind of get it. I kind of get a little inspired, but I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just more inspired coloring <laughs> right now. So But yeah, so I think, you know, it's different for everyone as it should be. And everybody has is going to have something that kind of just like unlocks that for them like my sister she's like that with music like just I love music but I don't love music like her I mean she's just like one of those people it's just like three seconds into the song she's telling you every instrument she's like and it's just like yeah everybody has like these things that just like bring them to life and just like bring them back to those things that you know they probably liked as kids and yeah yeah it's just hard to it's just it's hard to stay with it as an adult like there's there's a lot of responsibility <laughs> there's a lot of stuff we have to do but you know I think if we can like just fa- find those few minutes like that's something to be proud of it's yeah. like here I found those five minutes those 10 minutes and that matters that counts Totally. Well, so going back to some of the things that you said, I'd love, I couldn't agree more with what you just said about those, finding those five minutes in our very busy adult lives. Um, And I'd love if we could kind of dive into your pivotal career moment. So kind of that time when you maybe were feeling drained and unhappy from all those adult (laughs) things and really tuned into the essence of yours. Could you walk us through some of those moments when you like decided to write and share that uh, important poem with the world? Yes, yes. So you know, I, I was um as I mentioned, like I kept even though I was really struggling with like how I fit into say the music industry, I kept trying anyway. <laughs> um, I think because, and I think you actually said the word expect, um, mm-hmm. somewhere back and that word I've, I've been using a lot to really mm-hmm. explain that season of my life, because I think a lot of it was like, I felt like there was the expectation, you know, it's like, if you have this skill, it's like, you're expected to use it. It's like, well, why not? Like you could turn this into a career. It could be your whole thing. Right. And I felt that way about music. I felt like it was my responsibility mm. to do music in the way that was considered to be success- the successful way of doing music, even though it was wearing me out. And I was like just being driven to burnout so quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I spent like the first half of my 20s, I had, I had the wonderful opportunity to like record like a full blown studio album, which I'm still oh really God. proud of. Okay. Um, I had a lot of like great opportunities just on the road. I mean, I made friends that I still keep in touch with. Like it was, I wouldn't change it. Um, and after about five years, so I just felt like the weight of it all. And I was like, I feel like I'm a failure. I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I see people that I started out with and they are much further along than I am. Um, I'm wasting my time. I'm like, I know I can sing. I know I can play. Like, I know I can write songs, but clearly that's not enough. Like, you've got to have the it factor. You've got to have this, this and that. And I'm like, I'm not it. I'm not. Um, and I was like, maybe. And then it just spiraled from there. And so this is in 2016. It spiraled from there into like, well, maybe, maybe it's not just music. Maybe I just shouldn't be trying creativity at all. Like anything creative. Maybe I should just give that up. Maybe that's a childhood thing. I just need to leave it behind. Stop trying. Because at the time I was like just doing like 
every possible freelance thing I could just to totally. <laughs> like pay the bills. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is the way to live. Like, I think I have to figure something out. Um, Cause for me, like I couldn't even, I was so scared because I was like, I don't even know where to even start getting a day job because I've spent most of my twenties, like trying to be a musician and an artist, like on paper, like, I'm not very employable. <laughs> so I was like, I don't even know where to start. And I was like, maybe I just need to give it up. Coming up, we hear what the small but life-changing thing Morgan did to tap into her creativity and turn it into a very successful career. That's after the break. The Unproductive Podcast is brought to you by Daydreamers. Think of Daydreamers as your modern-day garage. We're creating gyms for creativity, both in real life and from the comfort of your home, so that we can all redefine how we spend our free time. Our first events and community hubs will be in New York City, once we're actually able to get closer than six feet away from strangers, but we'll have plans to create communities all around the world. So head to our website, daydreamerspace.com, or find us on social at daydreamerspace to get on the waitlist so that we can meet in real life. We'll also share a ton of tips and projects for you to get started on your creative journey at home. We can't wait to start creating with you. Hey there, and welcome back to the Unproductive Podcast and our chat with Morgan Harper Nichols, the best-selling author, world-famous poet, and storyteller at heart. Last we heard, Morgan was at her wit's end. She was right at the peak of failure. After a half-decade-long career as a musician, she was coming to the stark realization that maybe it just wasn't for her, and she didn't know what to do about it. She was in one of her darkest moments in life. But in her moment of complete failure, Morgan turned to her first love without even thinking twice about it, writing. So in true Morgan fashion, I wrote a poem about giving up. And it's essentially just like the poem starts with um, it says, when you start to feel like things should have been better this year, remember the mountains and valleys that brought you here. Mm-hmm. And this whole poem was just about feeling like a failure, feeling like I I wasn't going to be able to carry on another year just trying and failing. And um, so I wrote this poem and I was like, you know, and it was so strange. I was like, I feel like this is really personal. But at the same time, I felt like I needed to share it. So I ended up sharing it on Pinterest and mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about it. And then a few months later, it went viral. Oh um, and it, I look back and it had been repinned over 100,000 times. And I never intended to share it on that scale. Um, and it's just so wild how it works out because I'm like, man, if I had known how that had happened, I would have written something, written something less vulnerable. I would have written something that wasn't like, admitting to the world that I felt like that year I've been a failure. Yeah. So, but I'm like, just look how it worked out. And a really pivotal moment for me was because when it, when it went viral, I still was like pretty cynical about it. Cause I was like, things go viral all the time. Like, yeah. That's not, like, that's not like, that's not anything to run to the Hills with like chill out. It's okay. <laughs> and I just really like talked it down. And then, um, what ended up happening was I, um, I started to receive messages on Instagram from people who um, 
had read this poem and they were like, last year was the worst year of my life. And here's why. And here's why this poem meant something to me for what I'm going through. Thank you for writing it. And it was in those moments where I just became like, it was kind of like that moment I had with that like really low quality Mm -hmm. that I had given away in biology. Yes, Just like, oh my gosh, like that right there, I want to create for that person. Um, so that happened, that started, those messages started coming in in January, 2017. And from January, 2017 to that October, I spent that whole time just like essentially just like throwing artistic spaghetti against the wall Mm. and trying to figure out what was sick. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I got to make something for these people that are, that are messaging me and finding this poem. I was like, I want to do more for them. I don't know what it is. So I was painting and I was drawing and I was sketching and, I would say this is another pivotal moment. It's like I started to share a lot of like my experimentation with trying to draw my iPad and trying to paint and all these different things and trying to write poetry. Um, A lot of it sounding exactly the same. Like just (laughs) just like I'm like, I don't know what to write about, but they like that point. I was like, so I'll just keep writing about that and I'll just keep saying that over and over and over again in different ways. And I actually started to lose lose followers. Mm. Um, And it was in the moment where I was like, I'm losing followers and I don't care. That was when I knew I was like, I think I found what I'm supposed to do. Mm. I was like, it's over all these years, if any time like people were like, oh, I don't like this, like it affected me, you know, especially if they were like reputable people or people that I respected, um, you know, if they gave me any type of vibe that they just weren't feeling it. I would question myself. And this was the first time where I was like, I really don't care because I know who I'm creating this for. Like I'm creating this for that 16 year old girl who messaged me. Like this is for her, not them. So it was a really cool moment. It was such a cool moment. And it's like thinking back on it now, it's like, obviously like that's what it's about. Like just one person at a time. But you know, when you're just in your head, it doesn't feel that way. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, it wasn't until that October that I, it literally just kind of all culminated. And I was just like, Oh wait, I know what it is. I'm literally just going to write for one person at a time. Like that's what I'm literally going to do. And I started doing that and I thought that maybe I would do it for, you know, a week or two and I'll go, Oh, maybe I'll do it for the month. Maybe I'll do it for the rest of the year. And this, this year is year three of that. So I just, it's become a huge part of just how I create um, and just how I see things now. I'm just like, wow, it's just one at a time like yeah. it's mm-hmm. so easy to try to do everything all at once and it's like just one brush stroke at a time one word at a time one person at a time like and yeah it's just amazing to me how how you know simple and yet universal that is and how it applies to so many things so so yeah I would say that those are probably some really key moments and and I even just talking about them now it's just good to have those things as reminders because yeah so yeah so that's a little bit of how oh I got into this. <laughs> well that's amazing there are so many kind of questions that are bubbling to the surface. I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is this last concept that you're talking about kind of experimenting and not necessarily having a plan while also staying really connected to your truth. Um, And I think a lot of times what we see 
people struggle with and even Doopy and I struggle with this all the time is this idea that we feel like we have to have this master grand planned and we're like being so strategic in every single you know career choice that we have and all this stuff and it sounds like you experience that too and then once you really connected with your truth you just kind of allowed every single choice to be fluid so could you kind of walk us through what that might be like or even reflecting on it now what advice you might have for people who are at that point yeah so as you were talking kind of like the first thing that came to mind was kind of this like random painting that I've started doing again um and probably because I was just doing it before before this conversation and um so you know when I I went to like the craft store and I got like some you know paid paper and canvas paper all the like fancy paper and I was like yeah I'm gonna like do these paintings yeah like I don't paint I paint all the time like and like the second I got that brush and would paint on it and I went to the page, like I felt like I was like back at ground zero. I was mm. like, oh no, like there's no undo button here. Like <laughs> so I've just been creating digital art for years now. And I'm just like, oh, like I've got to be like like aware and conscious in a different way. So I started to paint and I hated like everything I was doing. Like I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. Waste of time, waste of money. Like, what am I doing? And then I just kind of like, I got frustrated and I left it alone. And then I came back and I looked at it after the paint had dried and there were parts of it that I really liked. And I was like, okay. I was like, that little corner isn't terrible. I was like, the rest of it's a catastrophe, (laughs) but that little corner isn't terrible. I was like, I'll just cut that little bit out and I'll just keep that. So what I started doing was like I started cutting to get to that little corner. Mm. And on the way to that little corner, I saw another little pocket. And I was like, oh, I was like, maybe all along, like it wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be painting this one big painting. Maybe it was like a bunch of little tiny paintings. And as I started to cut every piece, I started to see them in a completely different way. And I looked at all the other, like what I considered to be really crappy art, um, that I had just laying on my kitchen table and I cut all of it up. And then I was like, every single one of these pieces now has, has, has a role. I see it now. And from that experience, I just kind of learned, like kind of just like going off of what I was just talking about, like one at a time, I was just like, it comes to, so down to like, just really focusing on like, how can I just like, how can I focus on one thing at a time? How can I make this really big dream this really big idea or this big mystery or this big uncertainty in my life like how can I break it down it's like a small thing how can I reframe it how can I see it in a different way and I was just like man like that applies to a lot of things in life yeah. like Holy. it's so like it's just if we try to like get everything together or I mean and I feel like that's true even with something like a business plan like it's very intimidating to even create a business plan like if you're trying to start something new or or change your business hard to try to like figure it all out so it's like what if we just focus on one piece you know it's like what if for this week we just focused on the marketing piece the story that we're trying to tell we're not going to worry about anything else right now we're just going to focus on that what story are we going to tell it's like the other stuff we'll get to that next week so yeah I've just been kind of playing around with like how that looks in other areas of my life because it was so I was like I was not expecting that and I got this big black lesson out of these what I would consider really crappy paintings and what I ended up happening this is like my favorite part of the story and this is all like 
over the past like week and a half. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've just had these moments where I'm like, oh, I should have been doing this all along. And so I I had these little croppings, you know, like these little small pieces I made. And the longer I looked at them, I was like, oh my gosh, like I really do like them. So I had my first, last weekend, I had my first ever poetry reading. Um, We did a poetry reading in LA um, for my new book. And I had, um, and I just had this like inclination. I was like, oh, I just wish I could give like, it was a hundred people coming. And I was like, I wish I could just give them like something special. Like I know they're getting the books, but like, just like a small gift, like just something. So I took the, um, the little pieces of paper and I turned them into bookmarks oh my God. and I wrote words on them, just the words that came to mind. I was like writing surrender, trust, rest, bloom. And the amount of people that came up to me that were like, this was the word that I needed. Like, I love the color blue and this is what it means to me. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, yes. I'm like, if I can just figure out a copy and paste this into every area of my life, (laughs) (laughs) my life will be so much easier. (laughs) I'm just like, it all has a purpose. Like, all these little paintings that seem so pointless and ugly by themselves. And it's like, when I, once I started giving like these little like literal parts of myself, like to others, like they have the ability to see something in themselves. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, I would say that like that metaphor for me is just something I've really been holding on to. And I'm, I'm actively working on trying to incorporate that in other areas of my life. So, yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That's so powerful. I think you lose sight, you get overwhelmed as to what to do. And I could only imagine, and I want to double click on this, like what happens when you go viral, you know, <laughs> you, people probably think like, okay, now I'm going to become a, you know, self-made millionaire and yeah. I have all these followers and like, <laughs> but some, you took this pure, like authentic, genuine moment and then you were able to, you know, turn that into a business and a career like let's talk about that let's you know did it was it an intention like looking back like a strategic moment like I'm gonna you know do this for my for my career or is this how did you Mm -hmm. take it how did like yeah yeah so honestly it was other people um who started to commission me for work that I didn't even know was work, that I didn't even know people needed. So I remember like the first thing was like when I was kind of messing around with painting, um, there was like a woman that, that DM'd me and she was like, hey, like I have this nonprofit and I really want to give like the people that I work with, I want to give them like something special. I was wondering if I could, you know, commission you to paint some, some pieces for me and, you know, just write a little something. And I was like, Oh yeah, sure. And she's like, yeah, here's my budget. I was like, Whoa, Oh, you're going to pay. Oh, Oh, okay. Like, I'll do this for free. I was like, custom artwork people. Okay. All right. Cool. So I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I think I had heard, like, I, I love to follow artists and I had seen like the word, like now taking to phrase, like now taking commissions. Like I had seen that phrase, but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, yeah, no one really told me. (laughs) So I didn't know until like that moment. I think I want to say that was like the first one. Um, and then like, not too long after that, I got like my first brand that they they had this like kindness campaign and they just want they were like, hey, we would love for you to be a part of it. Like 
and they would like wanted to hear like my ideas they're like do you have any ideas and I was like I don't know do I (laughs) um yeah so that started happening in uh like I would say 2018 like it didn't really I didn't really start getting requests like that to 2018 so but prior to that I think I I think at the end of 2017 I did release like a small book of poetry um, just self-published on Amazon because, you know, for 2017, I started to share like these little poems and people were asking like, do you have a book? So I literally just self-published like a small thing. And I was shocked that people like bought it. <laughs> and I remember that first month I was like, oh, like this pays a couple of bills. And at the time, like my husband, he was working in construction. So he had like a full-time job, but we weren't like, making a ton of money. So it was just like nice to be able to like oh, wow, like, this this helps pay the bills. Like, I was like, and that's enough for me. Like, I, like, for something that I thought, like, I couldn't make any income mm-hmm. doing, like, that was enough for me. So, yeah, it was honestly the commission work, like, the the freelance, I, I ended up just doing more freelance, but it was just more focused this time. It was just more like, oh, yeah, this is, like, something that I, a skill that I really want to work on. So I always give that advice now to creatives I'm like you know as as stressful as freelance can be it really can teach you a lot and and just as you're taking jobs that may feel like random jobs they don't connect to one another like just notice what you like about that job like oh I really like this about that commissioner but I didn't like that I really like this and I really like that like you made and this could apply to many people but maybe weddings like some people love being a vendor for weddings some people it's not for them um and just really paying attention of like okay, yeah, this, this really, this really does speak to me. So I found, I kind of found my stride with like, I was getting really, really excited about like when brands would approach me for um, different campaigns, like for International Women's Day, um, National Kindness Day. I was like, yeah, that's, I like doing that. So, so yeah, on the freelance side, I I do a lot of that. So I'm kind of at a point now where I can't, um, I can't, always take all the jobs that come in and that's, that's a weird place to be. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, I have to like get picky, which is so hard. Man, like, what do I do? So I do a lot of that. I, I do a lot of campaigns now and then um, well, not a ton, but you know, just, just enough to like, I, I really do love to do it. So I, I do it throughout the year. And then I love doing book covers as well. I discovered mm-hmm. that a friend of mine was just like, Hey, could you do a book cover? I was like, I'll give it a try. Um, so I think all the book covers I've done have been friends. Like they've, they've all been people that I know. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a world of possibility out there, which that, that can be terrifying, but if you can just like commit to just like trying those small things and just small increments, like you'll truly learn, you know, more about yourself and kind of get a little direction and clarity. So yeah. Totally. I love that. I think in today's world, everyone's looking for the the quickest and the fastest to go from point A to point B. Mm, and most yeah. of the time it's a, it's, it's a windy road, you know? And even if you're not like freelancing to figure out what your career is going to be, just taking a step back and realizing that, you know, I can try a little bit of, you know, watercolors and then maybe I don't like it. And what did I like about that? And then do something else completely different. I think just giving yourself that space to, you know, recognize the fact that this all will have some sort of meaning and not feeling like this time is wasted. I think 
that that is such an important value that you know we need to cultivate in today's world yes i totally agree and i love how you just emphasize like a few questions that you can ask when you're exploring these things because i think i think that's a lot a lot of this for me is you know i feel like now i'm in a place now as i venture into new territories like i this week i was speaking at an event that i was like it was people i just really respected and looked up to and i was so nervous about it and i'm like why on earth am i here and i just like i i, I was so grateful i was able to stop and think like okay, you know, what What about this scares me? Like, why am I scared of this? Um, and I'm like, but what about this do I really like? Like, why do I still feel drawn to it? And it's like, I don't even have, like, clear answers. I'm still, like, chewing on that stuff. Like, it was just a few days ago. But it was just like, oh, that's such a gift to be able to unpack that, you know? And like you said, it's so easy to just feel like just jumping from one thing to the next. But it's like, in between those two things, like, there's so much to explore. There's so much to learn. And the more we're able to just slow down and and also just, you know, make notes of like trying our hardest to keep record of that. And, and whether it's journaling or recording on our phones or talking to friends or whatever, it's just like just paying attention is like, wow, I really am like being shaped here. I really am growing and learning. And yeah, yeah being I, I'm trying conscious. to become like more aware of that in, in my own life. So, yeah, totally. Well, so before we start wrapping up, one of the things that I think I mean, it's so clear in our conversation and throughout all of your work that you've been able to stay so grounded in all of this amazing growth that you've experienced and really stayed so connected to that truth. Do you have any kind of thoughts on how, like any daily practices maybe that you um, do to continue to stay connected to that and not caught up in, you know, what the world expects or what everyone else is Mm -hmm. doing? Yes. Yeah, so I, I will say that I had it for a while. Um, so I had my, my son last year, last May and, um, he, oh my gosh, just changed my life in the best way. I love it. You know, however, like, you know, the, the new parents sleep deprivation thing is real. <laughs> so I just like wake up at all times. Like some days the, the day starts at 2 AM. Like today I literally woke up at 2 28 AM because oh, I heard him gosh. and then I didn't get back to sleep. So it just happened. So it I feel like my routine is all over the place. So I just haven't had like, you know, I would say that the art has been something lately that I've been doing. However, um, so the book, I just wrote and published a book and it just came out January 21st. So not too long ago. And since the book has come out, like, I'm sorry, the day before the book came out, I felt so much anxiety, like imposter syndrome through the roof like it was it was like I was like back to like 2006 like it was just like whoa why do I feel this so I downloaded for myself the Calm app and the Headspace app Mm. and (laughs) the whole day before my book came out I think I did like like I think in the Headspace app it was like you've meditated for 45 minutes today great job like, like I got like a little awards. gold star or something <laughs> it was it was yeah it was <laughs> to go deep like I told my husband I was like okay you got the baby today I was like I just can't I can't do it I'm just gonna meditate all day oh and I did so <laughs> since then I've actually I'm like you know what I needed this like I really like this so I was like I know some people might think it's cliche and it's talked about a lot but I'm like no I need this in the season. So I actually have been doing like really good about doing um, 
just, you know, a mindfulness practice. And I like to even just call it like a gratitude practice because the one of the first things that ends up happening for me is in that moment, I just start thinking about like all the stuff that I'm grateful for. And that really does keep me grounded. I'm just like, wow, 16 year old me would like her jaw would drop on the floor if she knew I got to do this. So, you know, I just try to like remind myself of that. So yeah, lately that's been sort of like a, a, a change that's been good. And, and I've been keeping that up since the book came out because it's, it's a lot going on. So yeah. Totally. That's amazing. I think Deepi and I both, I mean, we both practice meditation every day and it's, we've noticed it's had such an impact on just our ability to react in certain situations too. And really, as you described, kind of step outside of yourself and question how you feel. Um, So before we wrap up, we have two questions we love to ask each of our guests. Um, The first one I'll start with, and we kind of just talked about it a little bit. So let us know if you have anything else to add, but Doopy and I both have experienced and kind of reflected on this idea that the, our biggest moments of creativity come from being quote unquote unproductive, which is really the whole essence of this podcast. And in our culture today, that's not always something that we really can tap into, or that's something that is prided to talk about. So when you do have free time, is there anything else that you do to kind of stay inspired um, or allow that time to just be free? Yes, I I love that. I, um, yeah, I've been really trying to get better about like taking intentional time to rest. Um, it's very hard when it's like, even the things that I enjoy to do for resting, you know, I, um, I also love to do for work. So I'm like, I need to, I'm like, I need to create some like intentional like boundaries. I'm like, what's something I could do and I can pour myself into and I can enjoy it and love. And it's not really connected to work in any way. And I started, and I use this word loosely, um, a garden on my back hey, deck. Oh <laughs> my gosh. It's, it's essentially just some pots with some seeds. And in some of said pots, there are plants that are springing up. Um, yeah, so I like went to like the local nursery and I was like, well, what kind of plants grow in um January in California (laughs) and like they gave me some tips and everything and yeah it's been so fun and it's so interesting because like once I saw like I like I I was really proud of like the little pots that I got and everything and I was like oh I could turn this into an Instagram page and I was like nope not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it like as tempting as it is and as fun as it will be I'm like I need this thing that's so separate. So yeah, that's something that I have that's just like, I mean, it probably cost me a total of with all the pots and everything, $25. And it is just so um, nice to be able to just look out there and see them and take care of these plants. And yeah, I mean, we could go on and on about just like the, uh, like the things that plants can teach us. So yeah, it's um yeah that's that's one little thing that that's has been really standing out to me lately. So yeah, totally. Doopy loves gardening. We just moved back to Brooklyn, and he wanted to grow some tomatoes in our backyard. I was trying to get <laughs> the heirloom seed, like heirloom tomato seeds, from the farmers market, and to grow them out here. We but... were in San Francisco previously, and they wouldn't give it. To and us. they wouldn't <laughs> give them to me. They said you can dry them out yourself, but come to find out the the soil in brooklyn is also pretty toxic (laughs) so we're doing some indoor gardening someday like (laughs) 
you touched, we touched on this in the beginning as we get into adulthood, trying to tap into our childhood self as much as possible. So is there, you know, what's the age you think you, you were the most creative if it was your childhood and how, how can you channel that in, in your day-to-day life today? Oh, wow. I love that question. Wow. Um, you guys ask great questions, by the way. Like, this case, someone told you. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. I want to say, I, I, I want to say it was when I was six years old. Mm. I remember that year pretty, um, pretty clearly. I was very, that was a year I remember, like, I was like, I can write stories. I can write music. Um, and it was also the year we had taken a road trip from to the Grand Canyon. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, this is the life. Like, I, And it became my favorite place on earth that year um, and on that trip. And it was just, and it was, um, we were, I grew up in Atlanta. The Olympics were happening at that time in Atlanta. And um, there were like murals and art installations like all over the city. And I got to see a lot of that. Um, wow, like I've kind of forgotten about all that. That's I'm so glad you brought that up. That was a pretty, it's kind that of was a pretty, yeah, that was a pretty big year for me. A lot happened, and I'm I'm so amazed that like I still remember a lot of that. So yeah, yeah. So I guess what I would do to just get back, I don't know. I guess I might need to go back to Atlanta <laughs> or the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon I, I think that's trip. honestly a big thing too. It's like I when I go back to the Grand Canyon, I think I've been back maybe five times since then. Um, I I'm just taking my back, like, and I know I am, and this is how I know I am, because when I'm there, I'm not trying to take pictures, I'm not even trying to write poetry, like, I don't even care about social media, nothing, I'm just, I'm there, I'm there, like, when I was six years old, and I didn't have a phone, and, or anywhere to be, (laughs) or anything to worry about, so, yeah, yeah, I think getting, getting in nature helps me get back, too, I think, because I, I love nature as a kid, um, and um, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I'm like an outdoorsy type. Like I can go to the ocean without like having to get in it. I'm just yeah, like, I'm like, I just like to look honestly. Like, whereas my husband, when we go to the Grand Canyon, he's like, okay, next time we come, we need to hike the canyon. I'm like, actually, no, Um, we can just stay up here and admire its beauty. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I just like being in nature. Yeah. That's I amazing. That. I think it's, it's it's so great to be able to just reconnect with those moments for yourself and whatever that may look like, whether it's in nature or we talked about earlier, just bringing out the your paints and, you know, giving yourself that time, that ability to experiment and relax without the inhibition and the fear of that this needs to be on social media. Or uh, perfect. Or perfect, right? And then that that concept of perfect takes a whole different lens when you start cutting up your painting and realize that it's a whole new brilliant thing. And then you share that with the multiple people that came to, you know, your, um, the recent event you had. So it was a wonderful uh, time chatting with you. We're so inspired. Oh. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you guys. I enjoyed this as well. And like I said, like you ask such thoughtful questions and yeah, I really, really grateful for our conversation. Yes. We'll definitely keep in touch. So thank you so much for being here. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our chat with Morgan Harper Nichols. 
Didn't that feel like just a big virtual hug? Yeah. Even though we recorded this a few months ago, it's so relevant today and I needed to hear those words again. Me too. I know. That chat left us feeling so inspired. And before we wrap up, we wanted to just cover a couple of things that really stood out to us from that conversation. One of the main things that stood out to me was tuning into your creativity happens when you block out all the noise around yeah. you. And you just have to focus on what's your true core and let that shine. Yeah, I loved when Morgan kind of gave a couple of examples of her own experience where she was listening to everyone else and it felt like she was up against this wall, but she when she finally like tuned into her true self, she didn't care what everyone was saying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for me, one of the big things was that sometimes your biggest moments of failure, what feels like your darkest moments, when you tune into them, they can really help others see the light if you're able to share that experience. And when I pull it back and think about that, it really makes me think that creativity helps us make sense of our own world. And when we're able to share that creativity externally, it helps others do the same. Along the same lines, it made me realize you don't need to plan every aspect mm. of your life. And as a creative person, accidents happen and those accidents are the beauty. And in this case, she was, you know, writing this in a moment of where she was down and it turned out to be such an incredible pivotal moment for her life. So totally always remember this, this shall pass. This is one moment and that can't be more relevant than yeah. what's going on in the world today as well. <laughs> we all need to cut up this part of our lives and spread it out into a nice bookmark like Morgan did. Exactly. <laughs> so with that, we are signing off. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on iTunes it just helps us connect with more interesting, cool guests to share their stories with you all. It helps more people find this podcast and in turn get inspired to live creative lives. And next week, we'll be chatting with Celeste Headley, the journalist, opera singer, and viral TED talker who recently wrote a book titled Do Nothing, How to Break Away from Overworking, Overdoing, and Underliving this can't be more perfect for the unproductive podcast we'll talk all about what leisure time means why our world is obsessed with productivity and how long this cult of efficiency has been going on for i'm so excited for that conversation it was amazing you should definitely subscribe so you know when that one's coming up yeah and keep creating keep showing us how you're a leisureist and what you're doing in your free time by tagging us on instagram at daydreamer space or even sending us a note with some ideas at hello at daydreamerspace.com we can't wait to keep creating with you till next week Thank you.